Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Boundaries are so important. Sometimes we struggle to set them, and sometimes we go to the opposite extreme and put up stone walls. But if we are meant for community, how do we know where to draw the line and when to adjust the line? In today's episode, I'm talking to professional development coach Donna Woodrow, who is also the director of the Enneagram Prison Project in Australia. She shares with us how, as a type 9, she had to learn the hard way about setting boundaries, and what does she do right now that helps her keep herself in check. She also shares about how EPP uses the Enneagram to help transform lives on, quote, both sides of the bars through self-awareness, self-regulation, and self-compassion. And in doing that work together, they're building a living community full of compassion and full of grace. Hope you enjoy today's episode. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jen Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make. And have fun doing it. Your personality is your business. So let's get down to business. All right, today we're talking with Donna Woodrow. Yeah, so Donna's coming to us from Australia. And uh, before we get started, why don't you tell the listeners who Donna Woodrow is, what you believe in, and how you serve the people that you serve? Oh, God, that's a big question. 
Um, okay, so who Donna Woodrow is? Um, I don't know that I can answer that at the best of the times because it's constantly changing. Um, I, I do find that who I am and, and like who I know myself to be is always evolving. Um, and then what was the next question? <laughs> who I am? <laughs> what you believe in. And what I believe in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think what I believe in like above all else, the kind of the grounding philosophies that I use in my life are that um, there's nothing wrong with people, um, although we might get ourselves caught at times. And that if people are given the right tools, the right kind of love and support that we can achieve just about anything. Um, and so I believe in the potential of people mm. and how I serve those that, um, or how I help those that I serve uh, in a few ways. So one thing I do is, um, I'm kind of going to services now. Like what, what are the things that I do? I, I coach, um, I hold spaces for people. I work in groups with, with people in a couple of different organizations. And, um, yeah, I think mostly what I do is I hold space. Like it comes out in my personality, but it's something that I, I feel like I've kind of just got on board, um, that that's one of the gifts that I bring. I think that's beautiful. And it's a mark of a really good coach to be able to hold that space for people. So, cause there's so many times where we think we're thinking, but we're not really thinking. And I don't want to use the word perform, but sometimes when you're sitting with a coach, it does kind of feel like you're performing. Right. Um, and and being a, it's almost the pressure of now I really do have to think because somebody's allowing me to. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I mean, that's the last thing I want is for my clients to, to come in and feel like they have to perform because the whole purpose of the session is that it's in service of them. Like it, it's not here. I'm not here for me. I'm, I'm here for you. So, yeah. I'm going to pause for a second and turn this heater yeah, sure. off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Out in the wind, I thought that I was going to be cold. Nope, not cold. Nope. <laughs> Very warm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that is really beautiful. So I, I know that you're very much so involved with the Enneagram. Kind of give me the backstory or, or just your journey of what brought you to the Enneagram and how you're using that knowledge now. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. So the first thing is that uh, I I have to say I am a type nine. Uh, so I can sometimes talk in circles and lengthy discourse. So I'll try and keep it short, but um, it is a long story. So 10 years ago is when I first discovered the Enneagram. Uh, I was introduced to it through my sister who said, hey, there's this, um, this framework, this test, go and do this test and, and see what you think. Um, I had just at that point come out of a five-year uh, abusive relationship. Uh, so I was in a situation of domestic violence and I'd managed to get myself out of it. There was whatever you want to label it as. For me, it was a moment of grace um, of just suddenly five years of realizing that what I was doing wasn't working and that I didn't want to be here where I was anymore. And it was just a moment of total clarity and right action where I got up and left. Mm -hmm. um, so I was thankful, you know, and I'm, I'm still grateful to this day that that occurred and I don't know how, and I don't know why. And I, I cannot um, for the life of you tell me all of the things that had to happen for that moment to happen, but it did. Um, and so when I came out of that relationship, 
I found myself asking myself a lot of questions. Like, how did I end up there to begin with? Like, what, how, I never envisaged that that would be in my future. Um, I'd never taken myself to kind of fall for that and to lose myself so much in another person or in a relationship um, to the point that, you know, my own safety and security was harmed. And so I think it was really perfect timing. And I think my sister knew this, um, that it would be perfect timing to introduce me to the Enneagram because I was asking those questions. And I kind of found some of my answers of like, why, how did I end up here? And why wasn't I able to speak up? And um, why didn't I think that I mattered and my voice mattered? And so obviously I'm referring to the type nine. Um, And I got some of the answers around, well, yeah, I had all these beliefs and these, you know, fears around speaking up and around creating conflict. And um, it really helped me, you know, it was a long journey. Like I've been working with the Enneagram now for 10 years and there are still days, like, of course, we all have. um, This isn't a journey of finding the top of a mountain and then sitting there like this is daily work. Um, So I still have days where I feel caught in that same structure, in that same personality. Um, but for the most part now, like I am proud and excited to be able to say, like, I do speak up when I have an opinion, like I check in with myself about what I believe and I share it instead of holding it back. And I know now how to set my boundaries. So, you know, if somebody is potentially or even looking like they might be ready to violate a boundary of mine, like I know how to set it and I know how to speak up for myself and remove myself from that kind of situation. Um, so I guess that's a little background as to like, you know, what happened to me, how I discovered the Enneagram and a little bit about like that journey of discovering who I am beneath all of those structures, who I am beneath the fear of not wanting to create conflict. Um, And so how I use it today is really as a tool to get me back to presence. Because the moment that I start distancing myself from myself, like the moment that I lose presence, is the moment that those automatic behavioral patterns come back into play. And so um, I was just saying the other week to somebody that I'm so grateful that I now work in this space um, because every week I'm guiding or training or talking to somebody about the Enneagram. And so every week there is my reminder to, hey, stay true, stay true to me, check in with self, what do I need, what do I want? Um, Whereas I think if I wasn't working in this space, that might be a little harder like I I know people are doing it they're not working in this space and they're doing amazing work and so I guess I look up to them and go wow that's incredible that you're staying like on your game and this isn't even something you do for a job um so I'm just you know I'm grateful uh, that I am in this space and I've got that constant reminder that is great and and also with being a type nine self-forgetting is something that type nine struggle with. So you're in the perfect opportunity that's compatible with your type. Um, And I love that that opportunity was presented to you. Now you said something that is near and dear to my heart. Well, you said two things. (laughs) First of all, you use the, you use the phrase check in with yourself. And I love that because I have a, a core method. That's my framework of how I coach my clients and my students of getting back to themselves, getting back to their core. And it's an acronym, C-O-R-E. Guess what C stands for? Check. 
Check yourself. Yes. <laughs> so I'm vibing here. <laughs> right. Right. And the, the second thing that you said that really got me excited was about your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's something that just from my experience with type nines and co- my clients and my students, boundaries is something that's really really hard for type nine. So can you give some advice maybe about how you establish those and maintain them and, and stay aware of them? Mm, Good question. Um, First, I want to say, yes, boundaries are hard, like really hard. So give yourself a break Um, and don't give yourself a break because you deserve to have them. Like you deserve to have boundaries in place. Um, So you might have to ask me the question again because <laughs> I got off track. <laughs> That's okay. I'm a type seven. So getting off track is kind of my specialty. <laughs> right. So let's just do that. Let's be in the energy space for a minute. <laughs> so what was the question? <laughs> it was, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Awesome. <laughs> it was around boundaries. Any advice that you might have, um, especially mm. for type nine. I mean, all types need boundaries, right? right. But just from my experience, because of the self-forgetting and, and the self-effacing right. that type nines can struggle with in that average space and that neutral space, a lot of times they struggle with boundaries a little bit more. Um, right. And if you had any advice of how you maintain, how you establish them and how you maintain them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, this is going to be a, a, a very type nine answer to begin with. I'm going to say everybody needs to find what works for them. Um, and here's how I guess I model it in my brain or how I map it in my brain. Um, and the first thing would be that just believing, because I had to change a belief that it was okay for me to have a boundary. So first believing that it was okay for me to have a boundary. Um, and then second, um, one thing I do is practice. So if I find that, like, because I'm a body type, I don't know if all body types experience it the same way, but for me, there is this visceral experience in my body when a boundary is being crossed, that even if I'm not verbalizing something, I get a gut feeling and a gut sense that something is not right and I'm not okay. And so there's been a huge practice for me um, in listening to that body response because I've spent an entire life denying it an entire lifetime, like wishing that it wasn't so because that body response that's telling me a boundary is being crossed is also the thing that initiates the fear that if I set the boundary, I'm going to have conflict. Mm. Um, so yeah, just getting okay with listening to that body response. And then, um, I think the other thing that's really worked for me is the, just the knowing or the belief that it's okay to be uncomfortable that setting a boundary doesn't mean that it's immediately going to be, you know, roses and sunshine. Like it might be hard setting a boundary. And this is what I say to myself and not that I'd say to anyone else, but suck it up princess. Like (laughs) if, if you want to have the life that you imagine for yourself, then that's going to require you to set boundaries every now and then. And that's not always going to be comfortable. Do it anyway. Yeah. Cause it's always worth it. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's not always going to be comfortable, but actually I have to say after lots and lots of practice, it gets more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You, like I get more okay with it every time I do it because I realize every time I do it that, oh, there's another time where actually it didn't blow up into this big thing. And the person was really respectful of me setting my boundaries. So that's the other thing too. Like if you are practicing setting boundaries, 
just trust yourself in knowing who in your life supports you because, you know, it, it can be really hard to go right. Like as a nine, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to be really brave. I'm going to set a boundary. I'm going to say what I need and then do that with somebody who is not present, who is not able to receive the boundary, who is, you know, manipulative or whatever, you know, might be happening in your life. So um, just choosing and knowing, trusting your gut, choosing the people in your life that, you know, really want to support you and can hold the space for you to to try on these new ways of being. Are you feeling a bit disappointed that you haven't finished that project yet? Are the kids' schedules impacting your business? Or are the demands of your business affecting your relationships at home? Maybe you need a magic formula for that work-life balance before your fire gets so dim or it completely burns out. I've been there. There was a point in my life where I was juggling two businesses and homeschooling and had personal health issues. There was barely time to even connect with myself, much less connect with my husband. When I was finally officially diagnosed with ADHD, I felt like that explained everything. I had a new perspective and started approaching things in a new way. So I created a guide containing 20 tips that I personally use, and they have worked for me for helping me stay on course with my goals. Now, you might not have ADHD, but I bet you can relate to having a million distractions during the day. So if you're ready to stop procrastinating or stop being hard on yourself for missing yet another deadline, self-imposed or not, go ahead and download the guide at powercoachgen.com. If you just find one tip from the list that helps you move forward today, you will be so glad you took the time to read it. Go to powercoachgen.com and download the guide right now. Oh. Yeah, and practicing. I've, I've, I've had a couple of pe- interviews where they say practice and I'm seeing this trend because I tell my clients to practice right. it too because we didn't walk out of the womb learning how to walk. Like we didn't, right. I actually babysat a, a little kid today that is turning one. And I'm watching him walk or try, I'm holding his hands and right. he's just totally off kilter about to fall, got one right. foot up about to fall. And then he puts it down and then he right. keeps trying. And even though he looks a little drunk, <laughs> he's trying and he's practicing. He's almost a year old. That means right. that we spent a whole year learning how to walk, getting our bodies ready to walk. So we can't, um, we can't expect our journeys to happen overnight. And so um, that's, I think that's also where, sorry, I just want to add, like, I think that's also where the self-compassion piece comes in Mm -hmm. because for such a long time, I did have this expectation that I would be able to do it immediately. And like, I remember being a young girl um, dancing, doing ballet and learning a new move. And if I couldn't do it right on the first time, I would get so mad with myself. I would get so disappointed and upset. And so obviously there was a missing piece for me growing up in that compassion. Um, And I think that's one of the things the Enneagram has helped me understand too, is that, yeah, we're not going to learn to walk in a day. I'm not going to learn that new move. I'm not going to learn that new song on the piano in one day. Like, it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And so same, we're setting boundaries. We're speaking up for ourselves, but practice. 
and paying attention to your body. Because right. I think that's something that as adults, we, we didn't practice it as a kid. So my friend today that I met with, our conversation had a lot to do with um, small children and education and what to focus on. I'm like, you know what? for a five-year-old education is going to come, but at that age, let's really teach them how to pay attention to their bodies. Let's teach them how to, to understand sensations. Um, and instead of, um, what was the example that I gave? Um, you know, learning how to count, Let's, if they, if they get it wrong, it's okay. They're picking up balls. They're moving their body, count the balls. But as long as they're picking them up and, and they're touching things and they're moving things, they're learning, they're creating neural connections. And I'm of the philosophy, the school of thought that if we can teach our children how to tune into their bodies at age five, how much happier and healthier are they going to be when they're adults? Right. Right. Yeah. Oh man, I wish this uh, work of, I want to say the Enneagram and really, I think what it boils down to is self-awareness. Like Mm -hmm. I wish that work was introduced at a much younger age and I think it's starting to be. Yeah. Especially with, um, with more parents being involved with children, teachers being um, more holistic as far as their curriculum approaches and getting all of these sensory activating these sensory um, activities as well it's it's been really cool so I know that you're involved in an organization that is so cool <laughs> um, I, I I know a couple of people who have a heart for I don't want to use the word prison work is that the right word yeah I guess you could call it that yeah, almost like a, a ministry um, type deal thing. Can you tell tell us a little bit about what you do in that space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the organization you're referring to is called the Enneagram Prison Project. And um, I'm part of the Enneagram Prison Project Australia. Uh, so we're an affiliate to EPP Globally. Um, and uh, we have a small team here in Australia, but we have a massive team uh, globally. We're kind of spreading out around the world. And um, the Enneagram Prison Project is really on a mission to help people understand why they do what they do um, on both sides of the bars through uh, self-awareness and um, using the Enneagram as a a framework um, to help us understand why we do what we do. So we, you know, traditionally EPP has uh, worked inside prison facilities in the United States um, and now in other countries around the world. And we're now, because of, you know, it's one of those, um, I guess you could say blessings of COVID, if you can see a blessing in COVID, that it did it did create momentum and asked us to pivot. It asked us to say, well, can we still meet our mission and our vision um, even though we can't go inside prisons right now. And so what uh, we've done is pivoted and we've made our programming or portions of our programming available online to the general public. um, So now anyone can attend and do the Enneagram Prison Project work. Um, It's really, I'm guiding at the moment, co-guiding with other guides and I'm just having the most heartfelt opening experience um, as I meet so many different people around the world. And 
it gives people an insight um, as to what we do on the inside with um, those who are incarcerated. Uh, it also allows people to meet some of our ambassadors who are the like shining stars of EPP who have been through the program on the inside and come out on the other side. Um, and so, you know, as you do the program, you get to sit on panel, uh, watch panels um, and meet some of our ambassadors. And yeah, so there's a little intro to uh, what we do at EPP. So um, do you have any maybe case studies or success stories that you can share of some of the prisoners and, and the work that they've been able to accomplish? Right. Um, there are. And like, I don't want to step over any boundaries and share anybody else's stories. But here's what I can say is um, I've met um, quite a few of our ambassadors uh, when I originally did my EPP training three years ago, three and a half years ago um, in the States. And I see on a daily basis um, just how much of uh, like influential members of their community now that they're on the outside, um, how much they're supporting their community and contributing to their own community. Um, I'd highly recommend jumping on our YouTube channel because we have a couple of videos of the ambassadors sharing their own stories. Um, mm -hmm. And so I feel like that would be best for, to hear it from their own mouths. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just coming, uh, a couple of things coming to mind that um, we have Sue Lambert who did the program on the inside and has actually been able to go back on the inside as a guide. And oh, wow. yeah, it's, it's just incredible. And I love, um, I love being a part of the same community that she's a part of. And she inspires me every day. Um, she recently recorded a, a short video for, you know, the several hundred people that we've got on one of our programs online, just sharing her experience and, um, you can just see when you hear her speak and watch her that she has so much access to herself right now and so much presence and grace. And um, yeah, so sorry that I'm not giving you like details no, of the fine. stories, but I just, it's one thing that we really like to honor and respect in EPP is um, not sharing other stories that that's kind of their gift. and, and their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for the YouTube channel so that people can go and experience some of these success stories. That's great. Um, I, I do have a question. So when you go into prisons as guides to introduce the Enneagram to the inmates, do they know what it's about? I mean, are they completely new? How do you introduce it to them uh, or how do you pitch it to them and explain to them what the Enneagram is? Right, right. So, um, I mean, it depends, of course, on the facility, like the different processes for each place that we go into. But like if I was to say, generally speaking, what happens is we would run an information session where um, the individuals can come and ask questions or we get to tell them a little about what they can expect to happen in the program. And the important thing about our program is that it's voluntary. So, um, because I mean, if you know anybody who's kind of done their work um, gets that it's a tender place and it takes a lot of commitment and willingness to look at ourselves. And so we don't find that it's fruitful to our mission to kind of force people to be in the room um, doing this work. So it is voluntary. Um, but yeah, we, we give an information session. Um, one of the facilities that I'm working with close to home here right now um, we're actually working with the staff where they have sat uh, one module of our program so that they could experience it for themselves um, and they loved it which is great uh, because they want to be able to know how to talk to their students 
about coming to the program. So whilst it's still going to be voluntary, they want to be able to say, hey, I did this program, like I did, I've experienced it. Here's what I found in this. Um, so where possible, like it's always awesome when we get the staff on board um, to really understand what it's about. But if that's not possible, then we go and do an information session and we say, this is what we're here for. Would you like to join us? That's amazing. And, and what do you feel like you have gotten out of personally working front working with EPP oh wow uh so much like so much I just finished the call this morning and my heart was so full um I think what's really what I what I've gotten out of it is this sense of just absolute belonging um it's really strong in the values of EPP that we do create a space of belonging and connection with one another and um even though so I've met a lot of EPP uh, people, guides, volunteers, like all kinds of community members in person, maybe three and a half years ago. Um, and I haven't seen them in person since just for other, or two, two years ago. And I haven't seen them since. Um, but I'm like on calls with them on Zoom, like regularly throughout the week. And we have Marco Polo messages that we send each other. And we have a big Slack channel and everybody's included and welcome to contribute um, however they feel you know, kind of meets um, their gifts, their talents and what they want to bring. Um, it's actually something that EPP is moving into, uh, particularly like in the US and we're also, you know, jumping on board with that here in Australia is this concept. I don't know if you would have heard of it, but the concept of teal organizations. Um, yeah, no, I'm seeing that. How do you spell <laughs> it? T-E-A-L, like the color, teal. Okay. Um, but it's this idea that some of how we're currently working in organizations and organizing ourselves isn't working, but there's something broken, um, particularly in, you know, the corporate space. I mean, that was my experience of 10 years in corporate was what am I doing here? There's no meaning in my job. I feel like I'm part of a machine. Um, you know, it's hard to get up some mornings. And I feel like when I walk in the door that I'm not allowed to bring part of myself to work. Um, and so one of the, so the teal concept, it wasn't created by Frederick Leloux, but there's a gentleman, Frederick Leloux, who wrote a book called Reinventing Organizations on this concept and exploring how do we evolve um, in our organizations and how do we um, bring new levels of consciousness to how we're working together. Anyway, long story short, there's my nineness. Um, is that, is that uh, yeah, EPP stepping into that space and really trying to understand how can we bring this teal philosophy um, to the organization? And what that means is how do we self-manage so that, you know, there's no strong uh, high or formal hierarchy, that instead there's this natural hierarchy that evolves um, between different circles and different teams and that we're empowered to do whatever it is that we, you know, that kind of lights a fire in us. Mm. Um, and then the, you know, the next thing is uh, bringing our whole selves to the organization, that not any one part of you is unacceptable, that you are loved in your fullness. Um, so whatever that means for each individual is obviously very, it's subjective, right? But, you know, for me, for example, it means being able to talk about, like, I'm having a terrible day right now and I'm struggling. 
Um, whereas in corporate world, I wouldn't have thought about bringing that to my boss or my colleagues. Um, and for other people, it might be, oh, I want to tell you all about my, my hobbies that I have on the weekend that I'm just like nuts about and crazy about. And so it's all different kinds of things. Um, and then the third thing that the part of this philosophy is uh, what they call evolutionary purpose. And that is um, listening to where the organization wants to go. That instead of taking this approach of, I predict what's going to happen and I try and control the outcome. I instead sense what's happening in the organization and I respond to what's happening. Um, and the, the, this idea that the organization itself has a way of moving and a fluidity about it that kind of tells us where we need to go or where, where we're headed. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that is what I've taken from APP. Like that is what I love about what we're doing um, globally and how we're connecting with one another on such a deep um, kind of heart level. I really love that concept. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but Because my, my belief is that the real purpose of the Enneagram is community. Right. That is the higher purpose. It's not to put ourselves in a box to figure out what number are we. It's about finding out who you are, what you bring to the table, and then bringing it so that right. we can all get along. And I love that you are saying that you've got this community in EPP or this almost like a family that you're connected with and you can be yourself. So it is possible for the listeners who think, <laughs> you know, you know, we we hear um well, what, what type is a type seven most compatible with? Right. Well, you're compatible with any type. It just right. depends on if you choose to or not. And, and, and so the whole purpose is the Enneagram is to show you how we all fit together. Everybody's connected. There's a line that connects everybody. There's a circle that connects everybody. We are a community. And even when the way you're describing Teal, I even kind of see that as, you know, our bodies are dynamic. We're constantly changing. We're constantly adjusting for this homeostasis, right? That's, that's what our body does all on its own. Why not mimic that in organizations? Right. Constantly adjust and be dynamic and maintain this homeostasis. If there's an imbalance over here, okay, well, what can we do with that about it? How can we adjust? You've got all the people there who are fully capable when they're in their wholeness, not when they're hiding, but when they're in their wholeness, fully capable of being that dynamic being as an organization. That is. Right. And I love that you've used that analogy because it's one of the analogies that Frederick uses in his book and that we often refer to is organizations as living systems. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is blown. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anything else you want to share? This was a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. This has been good. I feel like we've covered so much and also barely anything like you know you kind of <laughs> I say that as a compliment like it's we've gone into all these like varied areas and we've barely scraped the surface because like I'm sure you would also agree that learning about the Enneagram for example I've been doing it for 10 years and I'm still learning things every single class that I come out of yeah. um, or you know even if it's not entirely new information it's like a whole new way to see the mm -hmm. same thing that I knew before um, so yeah, 
So if people want to find you online, where can they find you? I'd say like hook up with me on LinkedIn for sure. Um, that's one place to, to check me out. Uh, we have, uh, so I didn't actually mention, but I have my own business. So there's, um, you know, my own website where you can check that out, but go to, go to LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn. And then I'm sure from there, you'll see a bunch of links to, um, what I do with my coaching in Modo and also, uh, any grand prison projects. So. This has been so great, Donna. I appreciate you spending your morning. It's morning there in Australia (laughs) with me. And I know you've been up and in meetings since, would you say five o'clock this morning? Right, right. So it's almost, it's only quarter past 10, but I'm thinking about having an early mark today. I might finish at 12 today. (laughs) You can go take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for spending this time. Thank you, Jen. It's been so lovely. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Donna for squeezing me into her busy morning for this interview. I hope you were just as moved as I was hearing about her story and about her work. I just want to leave you with this. The prison of your personality can hold you back in a moment of um, a lack of self-awareness. But it's also your personality that helps you understand where to set those boundaries and when it is safe to move the boundary. This is why if you want to live the life of freedom that you want, that you're longing for, you've got to unbox yourself and unbox your personality so that when you unbox yourself, you can break free and unleash your power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.